0: Source for stateside views on Everton
1: Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined as always by Ryan Williams, my co-host. We're coming to you after a massive Everton victory zero to one against West Ham at the London stadium with the victory in London, Everton have now completed five clean sheets in their last six away matches that away form. Gotta love it. And it brings the Toffees to 11 away wins on the season. Second in the league behind only champions in waiting Manchester city who have 13 this would have been, uh, if, if West, if things had gone differently today, would have been West Ham's first league double over Everton since 1972-73. So uh, too nice bad. to, yeah, too bad. So sad. Wah, wah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, guess that didn't happen, huh? Sorry. 72-73. It's going to stay like womp, that. Womp, womp. Yeah. Oh, so with wow. that huge win, as we said, implications for the remainder of the season, Everton remain in eighth place with 55 points, but just one behind Tottenham Hotspur with a game in hand. Two points behind Liverpool, who we do not have a game at hand on, and now three points behind West Ham, who are in fifth. So, big win, Ryan. What is your instant match reaction after today?
1: Well, we talked about this one. If we didn't win this one, you could forget pretty much all the European dreams. Um, we know some someone has to drop here. Um, ideally, two drop, and we play out okay. Uh, without this win, we really have no shot. You know what I mean? So if you're looking at the table, we said when we did the episode on Toffee TV, we looked at the schedules and said, okay, who do we think is the most likely to drop? Liverpool's not playing well, I must say, but uh, their schedule is pretty favorable. And I, I think we thought that you know Chelsea's is pretty tough too, but that's a pretty far drop. So we don't think that's going to happen. We thought West Ham had a shot of dropping some, they've got some difficult matches and Spurs and, here it is. I mean, those are the two we got to bank on. So this one was massive. You know, you called a six-pointer. Um, so West Ham, sit, West Ham's sitting there. They're at fifty-eight points. We're three behind them. We got the game at hand, which unfortunately we need to start winning the games in hand. I mean, they don't. <laughs> we keep counting them. Like you know, you kind of have to win them first. Uh, we still have the Man City match too. That's the one that you kind of look at. Um, but I think there's good news in the fact that um, Villa uh is going to be without. Their main striker, um, thanks to a, the first time I've seen a dive called legitimately in the Premier League and then awarded a yellow card in a very long time, um, and it was a blatant dive and fine, but for him to get a red card on that, that that's probably helpful. Uh, although Grealish may be back, um, it's possible. You know, you look at it and you're like, look, if we take care of business and we can do that, you know, you and I tend to be a little more optimistic, I think, than your average fan. Um, there's still hope yet, but my instant reaction on in the match was, I mean, it wasn't very riveting. Um, I knew going into it, West Ham's not a big possession-based team, I and mean, that seemed like Carlos' theme afterwards. Um, I, I don't know. I We'll talk about later whether we thought it was West Ham playing badly or us playing well. I think that was an interesting dialogue. I thought there were some fundamental flaws in, which, in how we played today, but I can't say we got lucky because... West Ham really didn't amount to much of a charge, but it certainly wasn't an entertaining game. I mean, I was thrilled that we won, but it wasn't like this exuberance joy that I would normally have because it was such a big match because we didn't do a whole lot. Or maybe we should have done more. You know what I'm saying? I don't yeah.
0: know. It was weird. It was interesting. Like In like the 75th minute or so, one of the commentators said, oh, this is an amazing match. I could watch this for, for days. Oh, really? And I was like, "What? Are am I missing something here?" So, I mean, so it was. What did you think of the commentators, though? Let's. I want to talk
1: about that now. I, I know we didn't well, put it in our script, but like,
0: it's like West Ham have suddenly they're they're in competition for a European spot, and so all of a sudden they get lumped in with this narrative, and they're the they're the dark media darling. Suddenly, somehow, yeah. for some weird reason, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is West Ham's chance. They haven't played Champions League ever. Will they capitalize on this opportunity?" And completely kind of rush under the rug the fact that well everton are actually still in the hunt for europe and uh this is a massive game for both teams it felt very one directional to me
1: yeah i did too and i don't think that was look we've heard all the telecasts you and i try and be objective i have to admit i do think that the other teams get a lot more attention at times uh which irritates me i, I mean i guess i don't really care that much but as long as we win right who gives a flip? right? um but yeah, this one is very strange. I, I guess it irritates me also, too, because I feel like there's an underpinning issue that's probably related to the Super League a little bit where it's constantly hyping up those big clubs. And you wonder why their fan bases are so big and why, you know, the Premier League seems hamstrung to it. But the bottom line is the most compelling thing about the Premier League, I think, is the level of competitiveness. I mean, Man City's run away with it a little bit, but there's still so much interest in the European qualifications and and you know, with the cups already kind of done or in position where, you know, there's going to be an important battle for fifth, sixth and seventh and, and for them to just be a focused on the champions league, you know, their champions league dreams are gone. You know, I, I don't think West Ham was thinking going into this, God, I hope we sneak into the champions league. Not, no, I mean, and, but that's okay. You know, it's just, I don't know. I find it irritating. You know, some of the relegation stuff's kind of not totally settled, but not very interesting, but like, that's the only narrative you can think of like, I feel like Sydney Lowe, even at halftime, was like almost dismissed the fact that it was like the fixture was meaningless for Everton, but it was yeah. really important
0: for West Ham. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, the inconsistencies there are, are quite baffling, but, uh, you know... It, At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the pundits say. It matters what the players do on the pitch and the opportunities Everton have in front of them to take advantage of. And they took advantage of the opportunity today, picking up all three points with the 1-0 victory. And we had three correct score predictions from the Discord server. If you want to join the Discord, it's invite.gg/atp. We had ROS, Serious Delirium, and yours truly with the correct 1-0 scoreline. You've had a bunch uh, of them this year. How many have you gotten right? I think like four or five, which... Isn't a ton, but yeah, I've been on a little bit of a streak. So I appreciate you noticing that Ryan it means there you go.
1: There you go. Hey, man, it's your, your opportunity to toot your own form. Um, Indeed. Uh, uh Yeah, touch your own form. Did I say form? <laughs> I think you said. Horn. Apologies. I've had a very strange day uh <laughs> watching lots of soccer, including some that my kid was playing and my pardon me if my voice goes out a little bit i had a few choice words not my best moments but (laughs) choice words to the officials today i was not Uh, reprimanded or anything though so there you go it's
0: okay i was
1: polite i was polite this guy was just terrible um anyway uh free hey i mean it doesn't help so for full disclosure my son is is not he's not like big like me he's a little bit undersized but he is a feisty guy and it was a very good match but it was it was a battle, and there was a lot of shoving, a lot of fighting, and he was getting clobbered and shoving back. And so, you know, you you get wrapped up in it sometimes, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's not. Um, I would not call him a um, the cleanest of players either. Okay. Like he's he's not afraid to kind of, you know. Flip a guy, maybe get in the mud, get in the dirt maybe, a little bit. Yeah, you know, maybe kind of give a little shove here or there. You, you learn that from his feisty. dad, I'm sure. No, 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 never. I would never <laughs> do that. I, I played it straight the whole time. Um, Anyway, Everton lineup. Um, three changes. Good changes, I would say. Yes.
0: Yeah, most definitely. So, you know, I think Carlos saw a lot of what we saw with the, the defensive fragility. And so he elected to bring in. Gary Mina, Michael Keane and Tom Davies, and drop Mason Holgate, Andre Gomez, and Iwobiño all falling out of the lineup. <clears throat> and in a bit of also very good news, we had Abdullah Decore returning from injury back on the bench, seemingly fit to go, but obviously didn't get the opportunity to participate today. But really nice to know that he is at least very, very close to full fitness yet again. you have any problem with those changes? Not at all, no. I mean, I think we, we pointed out Holgate and Andre as being quite poor last time, You. Iw- uh will didn't really offer enough. I think it was kind of a mystery to a lot of people why Tom Davies was ever dropped in the first place when he was playing relatively well, seemingly partnering well with, with Allen and, you know, switching to the the three center backs, maybe in, in changing the shape a little bit, I think gave a little more license for both Coleman and Dean to get forward because we saw that getting exploited very easily. So it seemed very tactically astute from Carlo and uh, ended up going with a very different play style from, from the Villa match.
1: Yeah, Villa had, uh, pardon me, West Ham, God, getting these mixed up. You know, it doesn't help that like there are three or four teams at any one time in the Premier League with the same color scheme. I might add. They're slightly different. I'm sorry if I'm offending the fans out there, but it's it drives you crazy. Um, I, the lineup was basically the same as Burnley, I think, West Ham. I mean, they missed Declan Rice. Um, I, I don't think he would have made that much of a difference today. I don't think. Um, but one thing to note, too, and this plays out later, West Ham's not a possession team either. In fact, they're worse than us in terms of possession. I think they're 41.9%. You know, They like to counter. They like to sit back. Um, you know, They've lacked a lot of industry and speed and athleticism in the middle of the pitch for a long time, but they're very sturdy. And so especially when Rice is in there, him and Suchek are very tough. They play tight. They're strong. Um, and look, these guys are monsters in the air and off set pieces as Suchek in particular, you know, he, he's limited in terms of what he can do kind of in between the boxes, but he's very good in both of them without question. Um, Antonio can be dangerous. Um, I liked our matchup. I thought that made sense to kind of counter them with three, although we didn't really defend in a three. Um, And I think Cresswell is a dangerous player for them too, because his service is good. And you've got Ben Rahm on the left side too. Who's very good and cuts in inside on his right. A lot. Um, so that's a little bit of a different kind of configuration than some other teams would play in front of us. Um, and I thought their tactical setup was interesting. They were definitely overloading a lot to the left. And yeah. that could cause us some problems, right? I mean, I thought.
0: Yeah, I thought so, too. I mean, I thought it, it. if you look at their team shape, I mean, they literally had no one on the right side of the yeah. pitch. It was yeah. like overload to the max. Um, bringing a lot of guys over there. And I think it did create some, some confusion, especially early on, but even throughout the duration between Coleman and Godfrey about yes, positioning and coverage. There was a lot of times when Godfrey was kind of exposed Seamus, like in the middle of the pitch, sort of at times like receiving the ball <laughs> in the middle of the field, something we're not really accustomed to seeing. Um, but I think it, for the most part, we did an okay job of, of disrupting them. They did, exploit some of the space that we were leaving them um but on the other hand on the left side we did find uh some decent amount of space Luca dean was able to get involved going forward at least in the early stages early in the first half when we actually decided we wanted to possess the ball um and i think we had a lot more balance in the side looking at the the you know left right center distribution we were pretty much you know almost 33 percent across the board with a. a Percentage point here or there. So the most balanced, even though the possession, I think, was a, the huge disparity there. But in terms of when we had the ball, we were able to spray it all over the place and, and find opportunities down different areas of the field.
1: It was a really interesting tactical match, at least I thought. Um, some things that West Ham did that I thought were very curious. I mean, Diop was so deep; he was almost like a sweeper. I think that was a mistake. I just felt like so we were defending more in a four-four-two. Um, and I think that may explain a little bit of some of the indecision on Sheamus because he's not typically defending on that right mid position. And we were so narrow, man. Like when the ball swung over to cigarettes inside I and mean, you even commented yourself, you know, where was Coleman half the time?
0: Yeah, he was, it was very weird. Yeah. Way, way inside, way inside, way inside.
1: Yeah. And, and so we were pretty tight and, you know, as, so as a result, sometimes they had a lot of space. So if they're attacking on that left side, the whole time, um, Ben Rama would go wide and he's a danger to cut inside. So Godfrey kind of had to respect that, but Cresswell could serve a ball. So Seamus wasn't sure. Do I go all the way out to him? You know, and and the one thing I dis dislike that we did, um, well, I still felt like there was too much too much space between our, our back line and our midfield line at times. It, just, it was too easy to exploit. They didn't do a good job of it. Uh, Lanzini, I thought, was playing okay for a while. Lingard did nothing. Um, yeah, but they, was... sh- they should have exploited it better, and I felt like they didn't. Um, and I just, again, I think Diop sitting back that far made it so every single time, if we had a chance for a clearance, you could have made almost a blind pass into a wide channel, especially over Cresswell. And they would have kept them on side. You know, there was no real pressure. It wasn't like playing man city where like every time you go to clear it, Rodri is just like there. Right. You know what I mean? And maybe rice would have helped in that way, but you know, their center halves are pushed up. So, so far, the second it goes over the top, Ederson's there and you know what I mean it wasn't like that at all. So as a result there were several opportunities where bang you see Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison kind of out there in two on two situations and Diop isn't particularly swift and Dawson is definitely not swift. That's a little bit what happened to the goal we'll get to that in a second. Um but yeah so how do you I mean when you're watching tactically and you see you sitting in that 442 I mean, Davies, Allen, I mean, how do you think that midfield kind of functioned, including Sigurdsson and Coleman? I thought they did OK, but I, I couldn't tell if they did well or West Ham just didn't do well.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. I, I find it fascinating that we've truly come full circle at this point from the, the start of Gilfie's Everton career where he was shoehorned out to the left hand <laughs> side. Yeah, and now we're back to square one and he's still the same exact player and presents the same exact problems when he's played in those areas I think the, the partnership of, of Davies and Allen I think was a little bit of a breath of fresh air because we've seen Andre Gomez the last couple matches and he's the, the partnership just doesn't really work because Tom Davies is, is a lot more mobile can provide a lot more coverage and when, when Allen wants to try to get forward he knows he has that uh, backup to rely on, and I thought that they did a good job and played with some good chemistry today. The wide positions, look, I mean, Seamus Coleman, a little bit more of a license to roam, get up, get back, kind of be all over the place. Positional yeah. freedom, definitely the yeah. most of anyone in the side, and I think he honestly made it work. I mean, it, it seemed like a tactical decision from Carlo to allow him to sort of play that that right mid the Hamez type of role almost getting all over the place, getting involved, not quite the same, obviously. But um yeah, I, I just think that when you can get those outside guys going both ways up and down and not have us be too exposed when you have the backup there, um, it, it creates some opportunities. But in general, we kind of went back to the very basics that have made us successful this season, and that's defending resolutely and breaking and finding the opportunities uh therein.
1: Yeah. They looked comfortable keeping the ball, but I can't say they ever looked totally convincing with it. And I think there was, we'll get into the flow of the match, but there was a couple, there was a, a period of time in the match where I felt like they had us figured out and just never really did enough with it. I I just think they're a team that's not that comfortable hanging on to the ball that much. Um, so, so taking a look at it, Carlo made a couple interesting comments about the whole possession thing after the match. But, I mean, our possession got basically about as high as 44.6%. I think that's what we said in the 28th minute. But after that point, I mean, possession was crazy. It was like 25.6% for us. And they had it 75% of the time. But in that time, we outshot them 8-7. to seven. So right. Carlo's comment afterwards was very interesting. He, he kind of gave this interview where... He talked about, you know, they asked him if he was concerned about the lack of possession. He's kind of like, no. <laughs> and his his quote was, the correlation between possession and victory is not for football. Now, that is incorrect, frankly. There is definitely a correlation, a relatively strong one between possession and victory. But, but I think that's taken a little out of context because I think his point was that he wasn't concerned about it because, and he made the statement like, we are not a possession-based team. We have other qualities. And he's right. And he's right. And so there's really no reason for us to sit there and try and hold the ball if it's not suiting for us. That being said, that being said, I think there were still a lot of opportunities as this match went on for us to hold it a little bit and show a little bit more composure and do better with some of the opportunities that presented themselves, and I think that's probably why I was most disappointed about it. I felt like West Ham was open at times to be gutted, and we could have won three four nil. um that that's probably what irritated me the most. Like it's fine if you're going to sit back because they're pushing up and you could have hit them on the counter, but we weren't as surgical as I was hoping we would be. i think I think that's probably why I felt a little bit after this match, like, Awesome win, right? I mean, so important. It's such a critical win. If we didn't win, it'd just be like go home. But I, I was almost like, we won. Yay. <laughs> you
0: right. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely can can kind of empathize with that. I mean, I think I think the reading between the lines of what Carlo's saying, I mean I don't think he's necessarily making like a deep uh, statistical factual statement. He's saying like, <laughs> yeah, you don't need possession to win. And that's obviously true. We've seen it even time to time control the game. Us. You don't need. Right. possession, Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think that, and we'll talk about it because a few people pointed it out between the discord and t- responses on Twitter, but it seemed like Dom and, and Richarlison were a little bit off. They were individually quite good and, and effective, but together, that partnership just didn't really seem to click today. And I think if, if it had, we would have seen a few more goals or at least a few more shots and potentially controlled the game better in the final third.
1: Yeah. I think um, it was more Richarlison hanging on to the ball a little too much. Don yeah. actually showed some <laughs> tremendous versatility his passing today. which is yeah. Crazy. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, the match started out, it was fairly even. We had some, some times where we held the ball a little bit, but you could tell we were playing behind it a bit and trying to hit them somewhat on the counter. And, I mean, really, the biggest moment, you know, the, the goal happened it was fairly kind of innocuous start. Um, and it was a really interesting play. It wasn't really build up, but it's when we actually had possession of the ball and they were wide open. And and the funny part was, is we've talked about this in the past, that Ben Godfrey has not been good with the ball this year. He's given away too much. He's not really shown a lot of composure on it and shown great distribution skills. But we've seen him play in the past. We saw him play for Norwich. And he is a good ball player. So I've kind of been waiting for this to happen. You know what I mean? Like, I think some of the question marks about him going into it, whether he was ready to truly be an elite premier league center half. And I don't know if he's quite there yet. He's still a little bit raw. One of them was never that he could pass the ball. You know what I mean? Especially. And if you look at him historically, I mean, he's played some defensive mid, but let me tell you what this pass was a good one.
0: Oh, I mean, it was, it was gorgeous and it was a great, great, perfectly timed run by Dominic Calvert Lewin. Yeah. He sees the channel kind of open up. Uh Diop pushes up to pick up Richarlison. Yep, their left back is on Coleman, and so intelligently Dom makes that run in behind Godfrey sees him, and really it's it it's such a good pass, but it's so open like that channel is just gaping, and he plays it really well. Dom runs onto it and yep. a really cool, calm, collected finish. Not something we are too accustomed. to to uh, seeing from Dominic Covert lewin is usually kind of the one touch in the six yard box. He takes it really well and he finishes with his weak foot. So it was really encouraging to see that, especially early on and puts us in the pole position.
1: The bottom line was that Dawson had to deal with a guy that's just bigger, stronger and faster than him. And that's the thing people can say what you want about Dom, but uh, whether he's clinical or not, you know, blah, 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 but he has got size and speed to boot. And he showed it on that play. I mean, there was no way Dawson was going to get around him unless he took him down and took a red. And he finished well, and it was a massive goal because now you don't feel pressured to possess the ball at all. I, I thought we were probably a little bit too far in one end of the spectrum on that, but that's what we were. Um, and I would say that you know one of our other best chances came pretty soon after that. Gilfie, a free kick's pretty far out. I mean, I-, I I didn't think there was a great chance of him making it, but put a nice shot on that one. I thought.
0: Yeah, it was uh, certainly a <clears throat> ambitious attempt, but one of his best free kick attempts of the year gives Fabianski a world of trouble. He doesn't put it yep. quite far enough into the top corner; yep. it's a little central, but a really good strike. And yeah, probably our, our maybe third best opportunity to score. Um,
1: I, so, I think the the next one was that one in the thirty fourth. I think you know where it kind of Pick fired one off, yep. and Dom kind of flicked it on. I, I just this West Ham team when Rice and Suchek aren't in there kind of protecting those center halves. I mean, Dioff's not great. I I thought he, when they signed him out of France, I I really thought he was going to be a bit of a bargain, you know, and I've never been overly impressed with him. I just feel like he's never kind of made the jump and Dawson is physically outmatched here. So, Dom flicks it on Richie runs onto it. Unfortunately, Richie's on his left foot, but he really runs onto it with good timing. He cracks it pretty good, just right at him. And he almost somehow recovers. By the way, the agility for a guy is not the smallest dude in the world to bounce back and almost get his right boot on it. Um, or at least hit it first and maybe draw a penalty. It was really close. Um, you know, Fabianski does pretty well here, I think. I mean, he got handcuffed by the shot, but it's a hard one to deal with. And you're thinking at this point, like, you know, we can hit these guys off the break. But I then I think right after this, soon afterwards, I felt like it kind of started to sway their way. I was a bit concerned myself. It just felt like they had us figured out a little bit.
0: Yeah, a little bit. They ha- They were finding some success with some crosses, finding guys in wide areas. back Backdoor. Then, uh- Right, and they exactly. swung
1: it over to the right. The back door was open. And you know, in the 30th minute, that was a this is a close, close shave, I thought.
0: Yeah, Ben Rama, probably one of the better chances he had and he has an open <laughs> header inches over the crossbar. Uh, and for now on the back post. It's a good cross. It was, it was, it was really nice. Um, and I think I think some of the wind came out of West Ham sails when Lanzini had to come off injured just before half of course he's quite injury prone i know Surprise. the player who david moyes uh, really likes in the side but uh, that exchange for to bring on bowen who was also a pretty decent player um but very one-footed a little one dimensional yes, for uh, sure changed things a little bit in terms of what they were what they were trying to do and able to do
1: I don't like him as much on the left, too. I don't know why they continue to do that. He was really... We had struggled with him in the first match, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought there were some holes here. Uh, when they'd swing it to the right and kick it back across, I think the back door was wide open. Like we said before, Coleman was playing way in the middle. Godfried was playing very narrow as well, too. So I thought that was open. Um, and then I thought, you know, we talked a little bit about the trouble when Cresswell had it wide, you know, Coleman being indecisive. And I felt like West Ham and Moyes had figured it out and saw that. And, and, you know, we saw a little bit of that at the end of the second half, but they came out at the end of the first half, they came out in the second half. And and I felt like they really tried to exploit that. And for a while, I I was very concerned about it. Cresswell's injury in the 59th really helped us. I think. Um, And in the 60th minute, I mean, again, one of their very best chances, right? I mean, Alon goes down. I I swear. I thought that was a foul though, but, you know, they didn't think so. Fornals in the middle, who was dangerous most of the match. He was probably their, uh, I think maybe put on their best performance. Yeah, found what, Sofal. Right? We can't call it Kufal,
0: even though it's spelled that way. Stufal. Yeah, it was. This was. This was a scary moment. Off of the post, it was a really well struck shot. Unfortunate for them not to score, but fortunate for us. I do think it was probably a foul in the buildup, but. The refereeing decisions today, uh flipping a coin, man. Perplexing to stay the best. and say Stuart Atwell had his best day at the office. Just very inconsistent. Like letting some stuff go early, like letting that Tom Davies tackle <laughs> go. that, was that obvious yellow? yellow? That was obvious a horrible
1: yellow. tackle.
0: And then calling a foul on his beautifully oh, clean challenge know. like five minutes later. Uh just kind of <laughs> indicative of the entire refereeing performance. So uh you know, you just kind of throw your hands up at this point. Like, what? what's the PGMOL going to do? Um, I think it actually yeah. put put the, some of the West Ham guys on tilt. I mean, Suchek yeah. had that brutal
1: scissor tackle in the 72nd, which I don't know why he fall through that way. That wasn't necessary. Um, and then Lingard lost his mind in the yeah. 75th. I, I, look, he bumps into Davies, and Davies goes down in the box. They're going to call that every time. Like, I, I'm not saying it was a terrible foul or... But what is he going to do? Stare at that? I mean, he ran into him, you know. Davies, yeah, I stopped and everything. It's almost like a charge call in basketball. But yeah, I, I mean, he's going to call that. Yeah. Now, two substitutes that were made before that, though, that I thought were had significant impact. Maybe not on the results of the match, but I think were very interesting. So, number one, Yuri Mina goes down again, unfortunately. Wow. And look, I accept the fact that center halves are going to get hurt because they're combative. And Yeri definitely was combative. Yeri Mina absolutely bottled Antonio. Antonio. Antonio couldn't move him, couldn't do anything with him. I literally could do nothing against him. Yeri had him completely done. I mean, it was, it was impressive. When he went down, I was concerned because I thought, look, if we're going to pack it in and be dealing with aerial challenges or set pieces in general, um, which thankfully we did limit a little bit. I don't want Mason Holgate in there. And we know how badly Mason Holgate played last match. So that made me a little bit nervous um mason did okay um yeah with one exception once again he came in and what three long balls no completions i mean i just he just hands the ball to the other two i just don't understand why he thinks he needs to be the guy of all the players on this team to make that long pass it drives i'm telling you Hamas, it drives me nuts um but i thought he was capable you know he, he was aggressive in the air in the back, he played confidently, defensively. You know, I, I was impressed, and and his athleticism showed. You know, he he definitely did. You know, he used his quickness to get around people, win a ball or two, that type of thing. Yarmolenko in for Ben Rama was interesting. Um, yeah. he hasn't played much. I know he's good on his day, even though he's aging. Maybe Ben Rama just didn't have the stamina, but I, I think I think he's a good player. I mean, it's a very different change you know because they swung him over there and bones on the other side right i don't I, it, I i don't it just didn't seem like it necessarily worked if anything i felt like the whole tactical setup that that could exploit some of our indecision on that side now granted we got more aggressive too i mean we started pushing out on them more but it left lines open. And I guess you take Lanzini off. So he's not in the middle there to kind of exploit maybe some of those lines. Cause he's pulls back. Lingard is playing just not well at all, which was, yeah. that was really the big issue, right? I mean, he could have been the other guy you think would might exploit that a little bit. Um, and then you take Benrama's danger to cut on the inside out, which is kind of what made Godfrey be indecisive. Why? So you can be even more wide and try and play around it. I, I don't think that was the right thing to do. And it didn't seem like it
0: worked out at all. No, it didn't. Uh, Yarmolenko, <laughs> just always think about him being linked with us and coming off an injury. And look, he can do some stepovers, he can do some, overs, can do some <laughs> slick moves, but he just struggled to really do anything meaningful, beat a guy. But that's what you hope from bringing a guy like that on. Beat a guy off the dribble, get across and create a chance, but uh, wasn't really able to do it. And we created a couple good chances in the closing minutes that we weren't able to finish that would have really put this one to bed. Um, there was the really, really nice Dom through ball cutting slicing to Sheamus Who's making a really nice run forward. Oh, uh, no. in, in, instead of hitting it one time, he tries to settle it, take a touch and just runs out of space and time. Um, and then uh, there was, he should have played Richarlison on that play through. Yeah. Oh my God. To the
1: right. The announcers again, totally botched that one. I don't understand why Richarlison cut inside. He didn't, he cut outside first. Dom looked at him, didn't make the play to him. And, but I'll tell you what, what great patience by, I mean, what a fantastic pass to Sheamus. Oh, yeah. He's got to hit that first time, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you're you in the box. You're that close to goal. You can't really uh play around with it too much. You just kind of got to take advantage of the shift in the position and the goalie. yeah going to have to shift his feet. He's not going to be prepared. So it's whatever. I mean, not his strong suit, but he could have probably hit that. And then also, look, Josh King had <laughs> a phenomenal oh. opportunity a few minutes later. Siggy with his probably one meaningful contribution from open play with the through ball to Dominic Calvert. Yeah, that's about it. And it was a really nice chip. I know. A really nice chip. What was up with Dom today,
1: man? He was a playmaker extraordinaire. This is a lovely chip. And is King just unlucky here? Does he not go with conviction? Or I, I don't understand why he was trying to hit it to the near post, man. Just yeah. it's so much easier. Just hit it straight on and smack it to the far post. It's not really. I mean, he has size. but It's not really a strong suit. You know, he's better on the ground. But yeah, I, I don't know. I hate when the announcers say, oh, he should have scored there. I mean, but I, jeez, man. I mean, it, he, it was, I mean, he probably.
0: He could have scored. (laughs) He certainly could
1: have. Is he going to score a goal for us? I mean, all honesty.
0: I really (laughs) think he's going to come in and play like a cumulative. I don't even know how much he's played, but less than like 250 minutes. And was uh, it the right sub though? Yeah, I think it was because like you bring in Bernard, you bring in. Woeby instead, right? Like you've got to, he's our only really other striker option. And I think at that point, both Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison had been running so much. Yeah. It did need a little bit of fresh legs in there to, to change things up. But we talked about it. He looked, uh, looked pretty gassed after, you know, coming out on in the 86th, you've cut or 84th, excuse me. You've got seven or eight minutes to show what you're made of and you're walking. Casually around the pitches. Uh, yeah, I Bizarre. I
1: knew I know he wasn't fit when we signed him, and I I had some concerns about that myself. Yeah, that's the right sub though. I mean, you know, yeah. Bernard and Awobi maybe they can hold the ball a little bit in the middle of the field and kind of carry it forward a bit. But that, we didn't need that then. Um, you know, we have a lawn to do that, and some other people. Uh, you know, you weren't going to be able to carry it through their defensive mid. You needed some you needed to keep what we were doing, you know, and going direct and giving those guys a chance. And the thing was, I, I, Josh King's actually pretty good off the break. I don't think he's a great player, but he is normally. And I, and he you know, provided some danger. I actually thought the Fabian Delph sub for Gilfie was was a good one, too. It felt like that enabled us at the very end to start to be aggressive so you saw we started to press a little bit which is kind of strange you were kind of expecting us to sit back the whole time and it's and it surprised them i mean you could tell like um they were not comfortable dealing with it um they they couldn't really get a great chance after that you know normally you're waiting for a couple fouls and a couple big crosses and set pieces to go and it never really materialized and we just i think we changed a little bit tactically and did a good job closing it off. I mean, that was the thing. I mean, I was never really especially nervous with any of the things they really did. And kudos to us for playing well against set pieces as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was it was a great win. I mean, yes, they missed some chances early, but really in the second half, I mean, we said, even though they dominated possession, they really, other than hitting the post, didn't have a tremendous amount of chances. And um, I think it was probably a deserved win, maybe. Oh, yeah. I mean, worst case scenario, it's a draw, but I mean... I guess I put it this way. If you look at the numbers and you look at XG and all that other stuff, you've got to remember the context that's in, you know, we were up. There's not as much pressure on us to generate scoring chances. Now, was I personally irritated that we didn't do better and create more given the opportunities? Yeah. I already said that, but that's what I mean within context. So, so yeah. that's why sometimes if you look back and look at the table and do all the math and do all the analysis and kind of use XG and other things to measure, you know, who had the most opportunities and who didn't, you know, but if you do that out of context, I don't think it's fair because there's no pressure. on if you didn't score again, which we didn't, it didn't matter. You know, um, that being said, I would have liked to score a few more and just indeed, kind of yes. it,
0: right? You know? <clears throat> yeah. And so, Ryan, you asked the question on Twitter after this game, you know, you said, fantastic win. But you asked the question, how much was it Everton being good versus West Ham United being bad? And that you weren't entirely sure. And you got some good responses. Yeah. I mean, the best response,
1: frankly, was Tony at... Uh... OUDC. It's always the opposition being bad when we win and us being bad when we lose. Have you not been on Everton Twitter for long? <laughs> so Thank you, Tony. Accurate. You laugh. I was thinking about that when I posted, I was like, do I really want to send this out there? Cause I know someone, Tony, you the man and you are Spot. accurate. Um, yeah. Lee Perry, um, at Perry at Everton. Um, mm-hmm. I thought half we looked good. Second half looked a bit tired and sat back a, t- a bit too deep. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, sitting back too deep, I think actually may have benefited us a little bit. You know, I felt like we were the compa- the narrowness was, I think, slightly problematic. Um, but I felt sitting back more was smarter because the midfield sat back more. It's just when we sprung up and attacked out of the midfield, and left those space in the lines. That's when I was really concerned. Uh, their injuries probably helped us, but yeah, we also may have been tired too. I mean, you can't defend that whole game, right? I mean, you'd,
0: right. You get worn out. It's a lot of running off the ball for sure. I think that's fair. I mean, I think first impressions—you're looking at—it uh, it seems, yeah, okay. Well, why don't we just go out in the whole game? It's like, well, look, you gotta be a little pragmatic at some point. And say, look, we got the lead, let's defend it. Um, and and I think uh, do what you're football show. Our friends at Drunkards United from <laughs> Oh God said, uh, this is exactly the kind of game Moyes used to lose for us when he managed us. Dot dot dot. I'll take it. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, that, was yeah.
1: that was good. That it's was good. Those yeah. guys, if you've not listened to their football show, uh, granted, it is not safe for work or around your kids. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I mean, just the yeah. theme song itself just starts throwing them out there. It's excellent. It's uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. It definitely is very amusing. Um, who else we have here? Robbie. Robbie at Robbie, 1878. think it was more us being good in what we did. Limited them to crosses in and the defenders dealt with that threat. True. We then would try and break. But just lack that James pass, besides Ben, or pace to really make that count. We got the goal. They didn't get one on target. Yes, I think that's a good point. Now, I I think there's enough quality on the pitch for us to maybe spring those guys a little bit better. And I think that Richarlison and Dom are normally maybe a little bit better and I thought had better chemistry or at least had better skills to take more advantage of it. I thought Richarlison was a little slow in his decision making and kind of held on to it too long. But yeah, there may be something to that too. You know, maybe James is the one that springs him with that just absolutely killer ball a couple times because he can sit deeper and do that. Um, and things go differently. I don't know. What are your
0: thoughts? Yeah, look, I mean, I think at some point you look at uh, Michael Keane, Ben Godfrey, Luca Dean, and Yeri Mina, and you say, All right, well, you know, if you want to try to beat us with crosses, like
1: have God at speak, it, Haas. Good,
0: sir. Exactly. Have yeah. at it, Haas, indeed. Um, so I don't think like like teams want to try to do that, and they're good at set pieces, that's what they do. But no question. And first, I just want to note like yet another game of the announcer saying, Oh, Everton for this set piece are setting up very deep. Like, yep, we've done it all season, hasn't changed, been consistent, done it the whole time. Carlos' been here. But uh, I, I, these guys, glad you watch the crazy. matches. Yeah,
1: the same thing is West Ham's really high on that line. Yeah, they start that way and then they run back. I mean, I just I, I swear. It's like when they complain about zonal marking, it drives me crazy. Like never ever, or or someone on the posts. That's my favorite. Every time a goal is conceded where maybe someone on the post might've stopped it, they always make a big stink about it. But do they ever, 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 ever make a stink where the ball comes out and they draw them off sides because there was no one on the posts? Ever, (laughs) never, never. I mean, and that's the fundamental reason why you do it. I just can't stand it, man. It drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, Yeah, So, so taking a step back, XG philosophy, West Ham 1.13, Everton 1.54.
0: Interesting. Fair? Interesting, yeah. Pretty close there. Um, And I I think it was, in terms of chances created, pretty
1: close in quality, right? I mean, to Uh, me, if you're sitting back and defending the whole time and you're still getting kind of that many chances that are quality, You're doing okay. You know what I mean? Um, I would like to see West Ham's number a little bit lower, but a lot of that is to I mean, people got to understand the way the stat works is a lot of its volume. I would love to see what their post shot expected goal is, because they just did not take them take them well at all. Uh, Not that I think there's anyone really out there that I would expect to be able to tee one up some from deep. You know what I mean? Lanzini can maybe curve one in. He's not yep. really a great goal scorer, but look, they've relied a lot on set pieces and getting the ball in the box to Suchek running out there with the 6'4 frame like a madman. And uh, they just weren't really able to do that very, very effectively today. And yeah. we'll take it, right?
0: Absolutely. And with that, let's let's talk a little bit about some of the individual player performances, Ryan, because I think we had some some really good ones today. And I, for me, I'm going to start with Dominic Calvert-Lewin because I think we've seen a level of maturation to his game this year yeah um i think today he found a a nice balance of winning the ball in the air i think he he won seven aerials but he also knew when to kind of drop deeper into the midfield to receive the ball defeat and try to free other guys up Um, and and contribute in the build-up which is really important he only lost the ball once 58% 58% passing, but he had like four key passes, which is unbelievable from for him. him, right? Yeah, player who's not known to create a whole lot doing a whole lot of that today. One seven, yes, yeah, seven aerials, as I said, had three shots. And I just think he he's finding more ways to get himself involved throughout the course of the match, whereas so many times this year, and maybe it's the dual striker thing. He's not totally isolated up there, but he's given a little bit more uh, freedom to to pop up in different areas of the pitch to make an impact.
1: I think you make a really good point on the dual striker thing. Cause I feel like Dom today had opportunities where he was running with the ball and facing the goal. And I don't think he gets many of those often. And, um, and I thought he showed okay with that, but that that's an adjustment. I mean, for a guy that's used to playing a lot with his back to goal, even in the middle of the field, you know, winning balls in the air and kind of laying it off to people. Um, we still didn't support those guys all that well at times, but partially because they didn't need to be, I mean, how often did you see we had two on two is a lot of them. And, you know, that kind of goes over so nine finger. Craig had a good comment here at Craig Mack. Um, I just want to watch that DCL to Sheamus pass over and over. That's a classic Dang. example where Dom, you could tell he wasn't totally comfortable with his facing the goal or else maybe it would have played Richarlison in, but the second he pulled it around, showed some composure, his back turned to the goal for a second. Bang. Suddenly he was able to pass. It was like right. magical elixir. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Richarlison because I-, I thought he played well, but clearly he was not as decisive as we've seen him be with the ball, although he's very solid on it. I mean, look, the bottom line is, if you're going to get the ball, Richarlison and Dom 2v2 against Diop and Dawson most of the match, it's not going to go well for Diop and Dawson. So um, I was disappointed they didn't score another one here. But I I mean, the work rate was certainly there. I mean, what are your thoughts on Richie? I thought he played pretty well.
0: Yeah, I thought he showed. Uh, I think he got a little bit frustrated early and, and tried to really force things a little bit was he demonstrative
1: on the on the pitch that he was frustrated he never does that
0: uh, I know the, the he had a couple <laughs> early uh some said fouls I thought he was a little theatrical on the theatrical side early on which you know we, we know is uh, part do. of his game but he can do I thought he was a, a man on a mission I thought his his work rate both sides of the ball was outstanding his runs into the channels behind West Ham gave them fits all afternoon long And his willingness to take players on with the ball at his feet, right? I mean, something we desperately miss in this side and something he finally showed uh, a willingness to provide today, which was awesome to see. And as you said, and we pointed it out earlier in the show, just a little indecisive. Like he'd draw three or four guys to him and just hold it and and look for a pass. And maybe he didn't have a ton of options because he was a little isolated, I thought. And that's part of the link up between DCL and Richarlison, but yeah, yeah. Held the ball and didn't get rid of it. Despite like making some really good runs, uh, five for six on dribbles, two tackles and two shots. So, uh, so so strong performance from him, but yeah, not as it's good to see him getting back to some of the better form. Again he may have been slightly
1: un-, un uncomfortable in the positions he was in too it was a little bit of a strange kind of tactical approach and and I just can't believe they would sit Diop back that far that that just makes no sense to me um so we had a lot of comments though on Dom and Richarlison's chemistry issues even some allegations that they won't pass to each other i i had never really noticed this in the past i, I don't think they're i don't think either of those players are necessarily the me, me, me at the expense of the team. I, I, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a goal scorer, and Richarlison's not finished well this year. Statistically, we've definitely noted that. It's not been good for him, but we know he can score goals. So I never have a problem with that. But I felt like today was pretty noticeable. We had a good comment from St. Jimmy EFC at St. Jimmy EFC. I mean, come on, man. You can't come up with anything. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's, this is a good comment, and, and we had some similar ones. It's been noticeable in other games, but not noticeable enough for it to be questioned. Today, it was blatant. hummus. do we have an issue here?
0: I don't think so. I, I don't like speculating on. I mean, we're drama. not very drama people, anyway. Yeah. You know? So I think our natural response. It now. is weird, though, right? It is a hmm. little weird. It, and he's right. Like, had you noticed guess- it before today? Not consciously, but now that's it's just pointed out, I kind of thinking back, I'm like, yeah, that actually does kind of make sense in your it dreams does. or just <laughs> no, just like re- reflecting on it. It does seem like there has been a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a communication thing or if it's just an understanding of each other's game or just an outright willing or refusal to uh, pass to one another. But it does seem like they're not really playing off each other quite as much. It's very much if one gets it, they're (laughs) going to try to create the goal and not always, uh, you know, utilize one another in that partnership, which is really what it is and what it needs to be. Yeah, one thing to think about, too, is if we had
1: maybe a better option up there and a little more depth, and you're going to play narrow like this, you kind of got to wonder where would be more likely like the left mid because of his work rate and his defensive ability and his aerial threat too. You know what I mean? He can defend in the box and help a little bit, maybe not against a massive center half. It'd be nice if you had someone else up there that was maybe a little bit better in open field as a forward. And that could kind of possess the ball and maybe play Dom in Um, that may have been a better option today too. And then Richarlison can kind of jump into the, jump into the game kind of, you know, arriving later in the box and things like that so so part of this is a little bit personnel but i I just felt like the game was very strange i felt like them dom and richarlison had the ball 2v2 in some positions they normally don't and maybe that's what we can rack it up to and that's why it was so magnified as well i hadn't really noticed it before but i don't know we'll see i mean i i was richarlison seemed engaged into it slow in his decision making but i just I don't know. I I can't imagine we're going to see concerns about it in the future, but it's something to watch, I suppose.
0: I mean, looking at the total touches, Dom with 34, Richarlison with 40 for context. Davies had 38. Allen had 38. Sigurdsson, 28. So they got plenty of that should be
1: no surprise to anyone, because (laughs) then you take out the set pieces. I mean, how many touches did he have? Almost none. Oh, it's a, con- I'm sorry. It's a constant problem here. And we'll I get think- to it in a
0: second. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. All right.
1: All right. Let's talk yes. about Ben
0: Godfrey. Let's yes. keep it positive here. Great he match. Was right. was great match. Outstanding. I mean, talked at length about his athleticism, about yep. his anticipation. And we saw it today with the ball, the through ball, outstanding one, two aerials, five for five on tackles, Woo. four clearances and was not dribbled past or dispossessed. I mean, you can't ask for a whole lot more from a central defender than that. It was
1: just very nice to see him finally put together and show his ball playing skills, you know, because he has it in his bag. He always has. Um look, he's still a little bit raw at times at center half, but I mean he he really was strong in the game. I, I think Mina's presence helped a lot. Um I, I think they are to me, you know, a, a a good combination, maybe in the future, but you know, if you're gonna sit back, I mean this game kind of played out the way it wanted it to. You know, we scored early, and then if you're sitting back, who would you rather have in there than mean and keen and letting Godfrey kind of free up on that right side to go kind of hunt and kill? And and look, Ben Rama's not an easy guy to shut down, but Ben was there. And, and then ultimately, when Mina went down, he very capably stepped into the middle and I thought did a great job helping to close the thing out. And not to mention, you don't have Holgate with as much pressure at right back although we were playing very narrow so in essence it was virtually like a a right center back at times right and yeah i mean he gets all the credit in the world for for the assist that was fantastic uh i like mark mcdaniel at m underscore mcdaniel 2012 ben godfrey that's it
0: that's the tweet (laughs) that's all that needs to be said and we also had uh alan brody Loyal listener, Alan. Wait, wait, let me tell you about Brody real quick. So Alan, please. Alan
1: pings me like as we're running time down, I'm thinking, boy, there weren't too many stoppages. And like, right when I went and said that, sure enough, he pings me on Messenger. (laughs) He's kind of like, how much time do you think is going (laughs) to (laughs) be (laughs) left? I got to find it. it was pretty funny. But yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's Alan for you. Right. Exactly. I love it,
0: man. Yeah, he's fantastic. uh, And Alan said the match was gritty and disciplined. He said, really need to see better link up in the final third between Richie and DCL. Absolutely, who both had solid individual performances. King should have made it 2-0. Godfrey, man of the match for me. How many times I've said that this year. What a ball for DCL. What a signing. And then we had uh, Wanderer Dave, which will segue nicely here, at Halifax Dave. He said, Alan finally looked back to 100% today. Thought he and Sheamus were great weird richie dcl dynamic happening (laughs) we've talked about it i think that's seems to be uh the the narrative maybe a little bit even despite the fact that we won but i do want to talk about alan ryan because i thought he finally looked back to near his best today it still makes
1: me nervous though when alan kind of comes out and i know tom davies has shown a lot better positional discipline this year uh he's definitely grown his positional awareness It still makes me nervous but but you can see what he brings. You know, you can see the box-to-box player that sorry turned him into when he was at Napoli. Napoli. Um, yeah, I mean, it was really nice to see him run with the ball several times. And at one point he played Richarlison over, which is just such a sick ball. We've seen that a couple times now. Um, and he was out there winning balls and, and taking care of the ball himself. Um, yeah, I mean, he was constantly disruptive, good on the ball. I, I thought he was even though we played behind the ball quite a bit, it felt like he was the most important player we had in the middle in terms and just period in the midfield in terms of making that transition forward to attack, you know, and he runs with it. He, he doesn't look like he should be fast. Right. But he right. does such a nice job of using his body, even though he's not big and, and showing good balance and stuff to kind of protect it. He know he just kind of knows when he can spring forward. And, and look when Lingard was pushed up too high and he ever won a ball, I mean, check is slow as molasses, man. I mean, he's going to dust him and did. So that was really nice to see. Um, and I think Stephen Williams caught it right. At Stephen M. Williams, he he nails it right. He said a sharper and up to speed Alon makes such a difference, and I thought it did today.
0: Yeah, it really does. And I think also just his uh his ability to foul so intelligently, like perfect. He doesn't get that many to... cards. Like people I think,
1: like people are always nervous that he's going to red get a red card. I'm like, no, people. He rarely gets cards. Period. He could play on a yellow card all day. He's smart. He did get one today on a he, nice little chop. But he
0: took the yellow today. But it was a smart decision when West Great. Ham were starting to break, and he knew immediately that he was in trouble as soon as he made the foul. And those are the type of ones you're okay with, right? I mean, it's a good, good within the context of the game. And uh, you'll take that yellow all day. But he normally it, erupts when he gets yellow. By the way, oh yeah, he swings mean,
1: and shakes his finger, finger up, the guy. finger wag. No, like, no, 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 he shakes no, no, his head. It's yeah. awesome. I love it. It's it's it cracks me up every time he does it. I'm like because I'm like I feel you, man. That was go- I can't believe we're getting <laughs> yellow for that. You know? Yeah, he was That's excellent. He's definitely got to be in the running for man of the match for sure today.
0: I think so, most definitely. And let's speaking of man of the match, we had uh, Seamus Coleman, who Carlo post match said would be his man of the match. Um, Maybe a slightly controversial choice there, but I think Seamus did a lot uh, in terms of being kind of disruptive force all over the place. Didn't have the most notable game in terms of numbers. I mean, he was dispossessed once, had four tackles, uh, won an aerial, had a dribble, 76% passing and a shot that we talked about at length. But But he had one of our best moments today for sure. Yeah. I mean, when he, uh, (laughs) who was that? What was I, it was, uh, was so foul. I yeah, it was so far. Yeah. He's like, Get up, get the beep. I'm like you <laughs> oh, just love the Oh and he's act. just looking at him just totally disgusted with yeah. him for
1: just flopping there. He's like, like you yeah. are a disgrace to the game of football with that. <laughs> get up <laughs> i love it man it's just such captain material i mean it's I, it's also funny because you know it's what he's he does what we all want to do what exactly yes, what i would do exactly. in sunday league sunday league I, i've done it so many times like playing being a defender just looking at a guy get up get what do you come on man what is wrong like aren't you embarrassed at yourself you know and he doesn't you know sometimes he'll even get the like I love it when the defenders get the whole put your face right down to their ear and just yell at them and tell them oh, to get yeah. up.
0: Oh, it's hysterical. I we need that. more on-pitch shaming of these players who are <laughs> flopping like that. I really do think Seamus is kind of leading that charge, and I, I very much appreciate it.
1: Oh, I wish he'd have scored, though, today. If he bangs that thing in first oh, no. time. I, I think this is probably, probably the bigger flaw is I don't blame him for not being maybe a little bit more aggressive getting up the pitch, but you saw what happened when we did get up the pitch. I mean, Seamus Coleman was wide on the goal pulls out the left back Richarlison. good movement and godfrey play the ball over i mean there is you also got to wonder maybe seamus's future is is as more of kind of like a backup makeshift right wing too you know that'll be very interesting to see what happens in the summer and how we use seamus going forward but clearly his leadership is is enjoyed by carlo and people respect the heck out of him and um he left it all on the field today you know and and kudos to him it's nice to see him step up and really kind of you know, get this type of win and and have such a presence in it. He's definitely in the running for sure, man of the match. No question.
0: Most definitely. And uh, people who are not in the running for man of the match today, Ryan, you specifically asked to uh, put Gilfie Sigurdsson on the bad list. And uh, look, I think, what, what can we say that hasn't already been said about Gilfie?
1: Well, everyone thinks I'm picking on him, but I'm just kind of trying to make a point is ultimately y- you got to hope that I don't care as much about the possession. I mean, he's not a good possession player. Cause I, I just don't think he's a good fit in the side period. Um, his work rate is exceptional. He really works hard. His defensive awareness is very good. He tactically understands. And, and I think if we're playing a four, four, two and he's one of the top two, I'm fine with it. You know, I, well, I'm not fine with it. Cause he's not creating anything from open play. I mean, nothing. It's unbelievable how little, and in the past, he's at least been efficient, when he gets the ball, I mean, he rarely gets the ball anyway, because his movement's not great. He can't receive a ball. Well, it's just not kind of his thing, but in the past, when he has gotten the ball in dangerous areas, he, he I mean, he can fire out the dagger, you know what I mean? He's technically amazing, but today I just don't understand his selection. If we're playing four, four, two, we're defending in a 4-4-2, he's out left. And then you're going to swing him back in and kind of play in like a three, four, one, two and attack. I, I don't understand his selection there at all doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I mean, you got to have someone a little bit who can beat someone or get into space and really carry the ball a little bit against these slow midfielders. I thought Bernard was worth a shot today. Uh, So I hate to pick on Gilfie because it's not like he didn't contribute on the defensive side. But I mean, I I just don't think his set piece stuff is worth that much that you would sacrifice that much by putting him in there. That's just my opinion. I, I I don't I don't hate the guy or anything. I actually quite like him. That's the funny part about it is people keep thinking that, like, like I love Alex Iwobi and hate Gylfi Sigurdsson. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't have an Iwobi kit. I actually have Ryan a serious kit. and
0: Iwobi sitting in lovely, tree.
1: <laughs> lovely. I'd see we're heightening the maturity on this one today. No, but seriously, I literally have a guilty kit. People don't realize this. My son wears 18. He wears 18 for guilty Sigurdsson. He loves guilty and so we root for him and I want him to do better. But I just think sometimes objectively you look at a player and you kind of wonder how does he fit in? And I just felt like in our tactical setup today, it didn't make a lot of sense. And we saw that. I mean, really, you know, and I, I kind of wonder why they didn't attack a little bit more on the right. But I guess their answer is Dean is a pretty good defensive player. Why would we go after him? And Keen is pretty good if he's sitting back too. I I don't know. I mean,
0: I'm, I'm, I find that a little curious myself. Yeah, really. It really, to me, just says a lot. And I don't want to, you know- Belabor the point on Gilfie, but it says a lot about the selection when you play Gilfie on the left and you have the potential option to play Richarlison, Awobi, or Bernard there in a more natural fit. Um, Maybe not for what we were trying to accomplish today, but just in terms of playing guys out of position, you've got the the chance to make someone fit there, at least uh, nominally, if not tactically. Um, so. And
1: even if you like him, even if you like him, and, you know, and Carlo believes in rotation for sure. I think that's very obvious at this point. I mean, you save then save him for the next. I I don't know. I just I I just don't necessarily understand why he was plugged and played in there. But look, Carlo mm-hmm. feels like he can trust him and doesn't want to trust. The other guys. Um, yeah. I, I don't know who else would necessarily be in the okay. Um, Jordan Pickford really didn't have much to do, so I can't really say Nothing. too much about that. I thought Keen and Mina were excellent today, too. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily say man of the match because they didn't maybe have as much to do as... Uh, although I will say, again, if Yuri Amina plays all 90 minutes, I mean, he bottles Antonio, so he deserves a lot of credit for that. And yeah. we never talk about Luca Dean because he always plays fairly so well. I, I mean, I, I feel like he was... Okay today and he yeah. got up the field but really didn't have a massive impact I felt like on the game.
0: No, I mean 55% passing, no key passes, a few dribbles. He actually had a nice couple moments where he beat like three guys on down the sideline for uh, to to break us forward. Dispossessed a couple times, a couple corners not his finest work. I think he's just overshadowed by some better performances today. Yeah. I'd say the same about there. Tom Davies too.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, Dean was zero for six and crosses zero for five in long balls. So, you know what I mean? Norm- normally he's at least able to impact the game from the deep, deep side. And I- actually that's probably some of the reasons why we maybe didn't have as many opportunities as I thought we might have. Um, and maybe it was because we seem like we were very concerned about tactically playing it behind them on Creswell side. Maybe I- that could be it. Right.
0: That could
1: yeah. be it. Anyway, I'm sorry. You're going to say Tom Davies, So I thought played a pretty good match too.
0: Yeah. I just think again, when swapped out for Gomez, like for like, it just so clear to me that uh, one offers a lot more when we're not going to have possession of the ball for most of the game than the other. Yeah. And obviously that was the case today. I think he and Allen are developing a nice partnership, but uh, I hope to see him continue to play moving forward and uh, continue to develop. Cause you know, he's uh, at least got the potential to improve. Whereas I think Andre, uh, trending in the wrong direction let's put it yeah, that way
1: i think fundamentally we have a little bit of an issue here where our fullbacks seem a little bit too willing to just blast the ball out of bounds and <laughs> or when we're playing it long just kind of get it out of danger I, I just wish that i would have thought today was a perfect way that we can kind of tactically take advantage of that so if you're going to win the ball you know exactly where you want to throw it we throw our guys at it maybe we're a little bit unlucky because the numbers basically say godfrey was zero for six and long balls but he did have a a through ball, which is one for one, which was nice to see. And Dean was zero for zero for five. So, I mean, that's zero for 11 from your fullbacks. Again, we've seen that too much this year. I, I look forward to the day where they either have a little bit more composure or we support them well enough for it to happen. And look, the bottom line is part of the challenge is say, when you win the ball and you're deep sitting in four, four, two, transitioning to a three, four, one, two, you're asking a lot there. You're asking Gilfie to basically jump up into the play and say Dean has the ball. You're asking Gilfie to jump up into the play. He's not the greatest at receiving the ball to begin with and transitioning. There's no one in front of Dean. And then you're going to bring him all the way back over to the left, which is hard when West Ham's attacking down the left side, the entire match. So right. that may probably explain a bit of it. Um, King and Delph weren't really on the pitch very long to really make nope. an assessment of them. Um But other than that, I mean, there weren't necessarily any standout terrible performances at all. You know, the team stayed together. They showed character. I I think this team still does have a lot of character. I think it is flawed in many ways, but has a lot of character. One set of numbers I found very curious. So Alon and Tom Davies were both two for two, four for four overall in long balls. They didn't play many of them, but they passed well. They passed accurately when they did get the ball. They were somewhat dangerous. Those were the guys that did the best job kind of finding and moving the ball up top, along with Seamus Coleman, who was three for four. So I, I felt like that threat from those three were like really the key catalyst to do and get our transition game going whatsoever. I, I just kind of wonder if we'd felt a little bit better about it if Dom and, and Richarlison maybe were a little more clinical in finishing the opportunities they had. That, that's probably the best way to evaluate it, at least in my opinion.
0: No, I think that's a, a fair critique and, and a fair summary of. Well, uh, as long as Gilfie, if Gilfy's not going to create anything, someone has to. Someone's got to take on responsibility. I'm sorry, but
1: it's just, I, I, you can't be ignored. What we ran his numbers the other day, and he's you know, something like 11th or 12th in the whole team and shot created actions per, per 90 from open play. I mean, God, you know, he's got to create a little bit more. I mean, one little through ball to Dom. A, I don't know. I just it's feel just like it's not good enough, be... Ryan.
0: But let's focus on the good today because we yes, did Yes, let's. Let's. And uh, so we had Carlos select Coleman for his man of the match. Ryan, who are you going to select for your man of the match? Mm. Um, I don't know.
1: <laughs> uh, Dominic Calvert. He scored the goal. Um, his hold-up play I thought was decent. He was a monster in the air. Uh, about the only—I mean—he was so good in the air. They literally started calling fouls on him when he didn't foul people because it was so dominant. I, I,
0: that one, it's like a cheat code, having that was, him in the air—that was ridiculous.
1: Uh, the run he made and defend off Dawson was smart, intelligent. He had a good first touch and a great finish. Um, and the—I mean—four key passes, unbelievable, right? I mean, he set up Josh King for a ball. He probably should have done well with. Maybe been indecisive, but I mean, the ball to Sheamus could have been a goal. I mean, he could have very easily come away with. I'll go into assists cake. You know what I mean? For him? Yeah. That's uh, yeah. I thought he was significant. I mean, look, he was problematic to them. That's the one thing. I mean, if there's one thing you can say about him is they had to respect him. Diop doesn't play deep. If Dominic Calvert-Lewin's not playing in this match, if we have some just big rock up there, that can't run. Then it doesn't happen. I thought that still opened up a lot for us. So he's my guy. I'm interested to hear your choice.
0: Yeah. I think I'm going to go with the, the uh, seems like largely the consensus pick here and going with Ben Godfrey. I haven't picked him for too many games this season, but I thought this was just a good all-around performance. Of course, seeing the assist from him from the back is is really good. Nice, but the the lack of fanfare when he came in, who's kind of an afterthought of a signing for him to be at least arguably our best defender this season, or certainly best, arguably our best central defender for a guy who's so young and still developing, and you know <clears throat> displays all of the attributes that you want in a modern center center half. Uh, Still a little raw, but five for five tackles. I mean, it seems like every game he's flying in, disruptive, crashing into guys, super physical. There's a really good piece in The Athletic the other week from, uh, from the guys over there talking about how he just does not care. He'll fly into tackles and training at every level. And he just looks like he's finally settling in and finding kind of what his role. And the guy who's been asked to do a lot of different things for us and was asked to do something a little more natural to him today and did it superbly. And made a huge difference. So and I think he can imagine. get a lot better. Oh, yeah, I know. And that's the scary thing. It's like he has, just like Dominic Lou, and they're both those that level of athlete where yeah, uh, you just continue to develop your your football IQ. <clears throat> the sky's the limit. Like there's really nothing holding you back in terms of, you know, you're not impeded by size or by speed. They have all those tools. So it's just about the sort of fine-tuning of the tactical aspects of the game.
1: We should get more people like that. That's a decent idea. <laughs>
0: you know what ryan i think you might be onto something there that's
1: i should apply for a job i mean you know hey (laughs) get better athletes there you go uh yeah it was nice to see though ben finally you know the long ball paying off you know to see him put on the the you know the ball playing display it was really good to see and hey look man this is a massive win i mean we could be as objective as we want for sake of a podcast but you got to be over the moon at the results here and and We've given ourselves an opportunity and a chance here, you know, the last the last couple here are going to be really big. Um they're they're going to be hot and heavy as well. There's going to be a lot of podcasting coming up, I think.
0: Just when I think I'm out, <laughs>
1: they pull me back in. I'm looking and forward to the summer from a pod standpoint. I think we to bring too. all me sorts too. of fun content, but yeah, post game, post game, post games coming up.
0: These, uh, yeah, this this European hope just will not die still glimmering there. And I think we still might have a chance to do it. Um, But that's going to do it for us today on this episode of the American Toffee podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please check out. uh, Leave us a rating, a review and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. That would help us out a lot. If you want to find all our links to social media, discord, all of that good stuff, it is invite.gg ATP. You can also find there all of our episodes linked uh, of Toffee TV USA, which some good stuff and definitely like and subscribe to Toffee TV. Um, otherwise, we'll be with you next time. We've got Villa on uh, later in the week. Excuse me. And until next time, until then, up the Toffees.